0: Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin, and we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful in Christ.
1: Welcome everyone. We are on episode five today of the Mosaic Podcast. And today, Shannon, we're finishing up our book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Can you believe it's done? I can't. It's been really good. It's just been uh, flying by. Uh, we are excited to discuss that with you and to, uh, hopefully share, hear your thoughts on Facebook and other uh, conversation times. Um, we're also today meeting with Val Diamond. We have a really lovely conversation with her, and you'll want to listen to that. We also will share, again, our art piece and share our last segment on Sabbath. We are going to um, finish up Sabbath, and so stay tuned, and we'll let you know at the end of the show what's happening after that. So we're going to dive right in. Shannon, we uh, have just, like I said, we're just finishing. We're on the last two sections, so we have covered almost the whole book now. We have. We looked at Sabbath. We looked at... I'm trying to remember what the first S is, and I can't remember. Solitude, Solitude and, silence. and silence. Thank you. Solitude and silence and Sabbath. Those were both really challenging, still marinating on those. And, and now today we're going to look at simplicity and slowing. So this section here on simplicity, is there anything... Off the top of your head here, not off the top of your head because we have the book in front of us (laughs) (laughs) that stands out to you, Shannon.
0: He begins by talking about the gospel of America, and it's so convicting and so true. And this is the gospel the more you have, the happier you'll be, right? And that's we are that message screams through every bit of advertising that we ever see. The more you have, the happier you'll be. So, yeah, you found it a little convicting. (laughs) I did. did, Because it's this idea that we get our meaning in life from what we consume. And he said that shopping is now the number one leisure activity in America. Yeah, isn't that something?
1: It is. Um, He even says, atheism hasn't replaced cultural Christianity, shopping has. Like, wild wild and and i I can relate to that i i was thinking about this this is all'll share I, I share all my little mess ups here so mm-hmm. everybody gets to listen um you know uh, at this point where we are in a pandemic stores are closed we can't you know we can go get groceries and that's where we're at well last week I just wanted to go shopping mm-hmm. so badly that I went to our general store and just walked the aisles <laughs> Just because in, I had to in Floridale, Floridale. <laughs> yep, I. It was crazy, and I. And it actually felt good. Like it actually filled a need, and and I recognize that is a false need. That like that is not. It's God that I need. That's yeah. the you right. That's the feeling. and and so I say that just you know full full disclosure that. I've fallen into this and we all do. It's it's part of I our so. culture. It's part of our makeup and it's a conscious decision to
0: to step away from it and that's what this call to simplicity is. I have to say that shopping is not the thing for me. Okay. I, now now certainly the accumulation of stuff, I struggle with that, but the actual you know act of shopping, I do not enjoy at all. I see, I'm a, I'm a getter done type of person. I want to check it off my list. And so if I need something, clothes or whatever, I want to go into a store, find immediately what I need, buy it and get out. I just, the browsing and the, the hunt for something that's just right. I do not enjoy that. See, I enjoy the hunt for the deal. Oh, so it's
1: not so much like I, I would never wander the mall, like that kind of thing. But, um definitely like give me a thrift store or give me a an antique store and i love that like i could just i have done that it's a whole day trip we go i go with friends and we just it's so fun See, okay,
0: we're we're similar in a lot of ways, yeah. but we've just found one thing there that I we go. differ in.
1: Yeah, so we won't be doing that together. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'll convert you. No.
0: Maybe you will.
1: Off track. That's not what this is about. But see, it's actually a good example of how easy it is to get sucked into that mentality. Because it is. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. And he says that in here. He says it's there's nothing wrong with stuff. It's what we do and how we are overwhelmed by it.
0: Yeah, he says... You know, the problem isn't the stuff. It's that we put no limit on the stuff due yeah. to our insatiable human desire for more. Yes. And yeah. and that is the problem. I love the way he defines simplicity. So this is this is one of his solutions for unhurrying your life and he defines simplicity this way. He says it's the intentional promotion of the things we most value. And the removal of everything that distracts us from them.
1: Yeah, that's really good, right? It's, it is so it's, good. It's, so it's not just that we are looking for more things; it's that that whatever those things are are taking priority over what is really important.
0: Yes. So what is really important? Yeah. Well, it's you know choosing to. He says it's choosing to leverage our time and our money and our talents and our possessions towards those things that matter the most and really it's our relationship with the lord and people that's that's what matters and so with this definition of simplicity you know when i hear the word simplicity i think declutter my closet right that's not what this is no right it's so much more than that it's it's about decluttering your life so that what you value the most has a chance to rise to the surface yeah and and it's not that like
1: decluttering can lead to that. Yes, right. Those are some really great practical things. And he at the end here has some really great practical ideas of, of what to do. But I think the point. What I love too is he says um, that this is not just a command when we say you know to just dis- to slow down, to stop, to not worry about these things. It's it's how it is. It's a fact of life mm-hmm. that that this is their statements about how the world actually works.
0: Right, yeah. So there is a quote that
1: I wanted to share here that goes along with that. Um, when Jesus says, like, the whole two masters thing, God and, and mammon, you cannot, that's what I'm saying when I say that, you cannot serve God and the system. It just it doesn't work. One falls by the wayside. So, yeah, so, so that's kind of... Simplicity in a nutshell, but like I said, he gives us some examples at the end. And were there any of these practices, Shannon, that stood out to you that you think either, oh, I really want to do this, or I do this and it's really helpful?
0: Yeah, he says one of the the principles of simplicity is to never impulse buy, Hmm. and I'm usually very good at that. But because of this pandemic, when everything switched to online shopping and purchasing all of a sudden I realized how easy it was with a click of the mouse to buy something and it's at my doorstep the next day. And so Chris and I found ourselves um, impulse buying a few times and that that is not good. So I need to, to go back and look at that. The other thing he says is to cultivate a deep appreciation for the simple pleasures. And that has been a gift to me in this pandemic just the the, the slowing agree. and yes. the focusing on the simple things being together as a family going for a walk in nature is a gift yes. it's so simple so and really valuable mm-hmm. i think for
1: me the one i those i agree with very much but the other one was that to recognize that advertising is what it is which is propaganda right it is a lie it was it was designed to lie to us that we need more than what we have right that's the whole point of it and and that whole idea of planned obsolescence that things are designed to be no longer useful within a year to create this sense of need and and more yes it's crazy so so that's kind of simplicity in a nutshell and then the other one that we discuss in the book at the very end is slowing and i have to tell you every one of these Topics We've gone through these S's, you know, the silence, the solitude, Sabbath, slowing, and simplicity. Every time at one point in the book when I'm reading it, there's a part of me that sort of exhales and realizes, oh, that sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Right? This, like, oh, I need to do this. Like, it's a soul awareness that this is important. and And slowing is one of those things. Yeah, too. it's a beautiful invitation, the whole book. It is. It absolutely is. So um, slowing, he defines it according, he actually defines it by different people, but he quotes John Ortberg again and says that slowing is cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait.
0: Oh, and we do not like that. No, <laughs> I cannot think of a time when I do that. No, we, yeah. we choose the shortest checkout line. We, we. Yes. You know, pass everybody on the highway. Yes.
1: So he has, again, some really practical ideas at the end of this where he just gives some ideas, and some of them are, are radical, you know, like um, get rid of the smart of your smartphone and just make it dumb and, and how much of a difference that would make. But even something as simple as not um, not going into the speeding line of a highway, like the speeding lane, I should say, and and just driving slowly, like having a Sunday drive. Like, I, I don't think I ever do that.
0: Gonna, I agree. don't think my husband could ever do that. <laughs> 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 yeah, choosing choosing things that that makes your body slow down. He says will in turn make your life slow down. Right. And so, yeah, it, the thing, the one suggestion he had for slowing that just hit me square between the eyes was this idea of single tasking. Oh, yes. Because I am, like I said, a get or done type of person and a, a multi... I, I pride myself that I can multitask, but really, that's not good because I'm not focusing my attention on one thing. And he says, multitasking is the drive to be more than we are, to control more than we do, to extend our power and our effectiveness such practice yields a divided self with full attention given to nothing. Hmm.
2: Isn't
0: that something? Uh, it is. And because it's true. I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I think if I would purposefully single task, I would probably get through multiple tasks a lot faster. Yep. Yeah. If I focus my attention on one thing, do it, do it well, get it done, and then move to the next well, thing. Well, and
1: they've actually proven that scientifically. Right, right. Like yeah. it, it is the case. And even the, taking a Sunday off and having that rest and getting getting that time to just... Be still and and what and whatever your productivity goes through the roof the rest of the week. Like That's they, right. They know that. Yeah. So there's, it's 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 not a law in the sense of you must do this. It's just this is if if A plus B equals C. If you rest if you practice some of these things, you will be more productive. You will
0: have more peace and and, and that goes against what we think. So to be true. much, so
1: much. So I'm I'm challenged. He he ends the the book itself by sort of talking about this verse in First Thessalonians four um, that says make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, mm-hmm. and you know it's even an irony the fact that you have ambition and quiet in the same sentence. Ambition to me implies active work, right? Like you're working hard to create, make, meet your goal. Whereas your goal in this case is to have a quiet life. It is.
0: Yeah, it is kind of a paradox,
1: isn't it? Yeah, it just sounds so lovely. Um, Yeah, is there anything else to this section you want to comment on?
0: Well, I just love the way he finishes the book. He says, if there is a formula for the happy life, it's quite simple. Inhabit the moment. Life is full of goodness. Don't be in such a hurry to move on to the next one. Right so good he he also
1: this was encouraging to me he also makes it really clear this is not like a quick fix program Mm -hmm. in any means you will take two steps and then you will move three steps backwards or sometimes you'll make three steps and move two steps backwards but it's going to take time that's right because you're recalibrating everything essentially um yeah so this is the book and i do have to just add because this shows my geeky nerdiness that um, the end notes at the end of the book are actually the very first thing that I go to when I start a book really <laughs> yes why because I want to see what books he, they refer to the author refers to and that tells me right away whether I even want to read the book because usually I'll recognize at least a few or, or an author and it's like okay I think I'm going to really be challenged by this or whatever And it gives me like a whole other list of books to look up and read. It's never ending. (laughs) It's never, never ending. So if you're looking for more about this topic, he refers to some really good books in here. Um, One of them being a book by Alan Fadling, which we'll put into the the show notes because I actually have read that one and it's really good too if you want to go deeper. So... Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us on this journey through the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we should we tell them now what our next book is going to be? Yeah, let's do that.
0: All right. What is our next book? So our next theme is going to be uh, create. We're going to talk to four different women about... Uh, just creativity, and it, we're really looking forward to that. And the book we're going to share is—it's called *Adorning the Dark*, and it's by Andrew Peterson. And if
1: you're familiar with Andrew Peterson, he's sort of a jack of all trades. Like he's written books, he's, sings, he sings, he—and he has a, a website called *The Rabbit Room*, where he just encourages creativity of all kinds. So we thought this would be a perfect uh, book to discuss mm-hmm. while we. We discuss the creativity of the human people yeah so we're looking forward to that so stay tuned to that and we'll put links to that in the show notes as well just one last thing as we leave one book and start another we want to first thank you for reading along with us and second remind you that anything we say here on the podcast and anything an author says needs to always be weighed against scripture to the very best of our ability our goal is to present truth beauty and goodness on the podcast but we do not get everything right so anything you hear please filter it through the lens of what god's word has to say with that as our goal we won't go far wrong
0: so we're here with Val diamond today and we're just so excited to chat with her about her life and the things that God has called her to so um, I actually don't know Val very well she's just a new friend so I'm excited to get to know her better so Val why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself Okay, well, I live here in
2: Elmira with uh, Andreas and my three kids, Joshua, Nathan, and Abigail. They are 10, 8, and 6. So uh, we kind of see ourselves in a bit of a sweet spot with our um, family right now. We have our kids are quite... Um, able to be independent but st- yet still love hanging out with us and and think we're amazing so that's <laughs> that that is a sweet spot you're no yes. longer changing diapers exactly. and you don't have
0: the teen issues yet exactly. it's wonderful no car seats right that's right they can do all that themselves <laughs> that's
2: <laughs> good yeah so this is also the first year where the kids technically are all in school full-time of course everybody. Yeah. yeah everyone knows that's um, it's not what was expected going into this. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been different year than I expected it to be. I do feel like because of that, because the kids are all in school, that I am in a new phase. Um, I'm not sure where that will take me. For now, I'm focusing on doing the same as before, but better. Um, and yeah, that's um, kind of where I'm at right now. Feel like I'm rediscovering hobbies because. Oh,
0: nice!
2: I feel like there's a time. Do you have a favorite hobby? Uh, I don't know. I'm. I love gardening. I don't feel like I have a good eye for it, but I enjoy just digging in the dirt. Yeah, nice. I love picking dandelion weeds. <laughs> <It's>
0: oh, <laughs> I could have used you a couple
2: weeks ago. It's so relaxing. <laughs> there's something uh, uh, satisfying about it. I guess there is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. really cool.
1: And yeah. so okay, you're married to Andreas and so for those who don't know, Andreas is on staff at WBC, yes. so that's been a bit of a year for you guys adjusting to new job for him.
2: Yes, for sure.
1: Um yeah. Yeah, so we want to acknowledge that too. Mm-hmm. Um so okay, what does it this is we have this question and it's such a funny question because nothing's typical right now. But what does a typical day look like for
2: you, would you say, in the midst of a pandemic? Uh, yeah that is a good question right now as we're recording um, we have five people in the house and uh, I get up around six o'clock and exercise with Andreas. Uh, we often listen to a podcast we pray together kind of before the the day begins um, then basically try to get the kids settled for school into their workstations to to get. Do you have, sorry, I'm so curious yeah. about this.
1: I'm interrupting, but do they each have like a computer? How does that work? They do. Oh, they, they each do. have a Chromebook. Yeah. Okay. okay. The
2: school we have two from the school, so okay. it has made it helpful. Yeah.
1: But, but so there's literally five workstations. There
2: are literally five workstations. <laughs> wow. So my workstation is all over trying to coordinate all their workstations. Yes. Yes. Um, provide food and keep laundry clean that yes that, I feel like that is my job right now that was the biggest
0: you know back when we shut down last March that was the biggest thing for me is that my people wanted to eat three times a day yes. and I just exactly. the kitchen's always a mess it right took, yes. yes and it took so much effort to just have food for them all exactly. the time exactly and snacking all the time oh yes just, and
2: then I do as well of course <laughs> yeah yeah um, I do when they're all on on their meets at 9:10. So I take that time till 10 o'clock to just sit and have my quiet time, and that's a really special time for me, um, where I can just be be still and and know um, quite most of the time. I actually do have that. You don't get quiet interrupted. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, good. good. Yeah, and
0: that's that's about my day that's a typical day (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's great so our listeners know that we've been talking about Sabbath and rest and so we want to ask you what comes to mind when you think about Sabbath that's a good question I think um,
2: it I grew up as Sunday is a Sabbath and you don't work um, and that that's kind of been how it's been, but I I think looking into this deeper, even just having this podcast and, and thinking about Sabbath, um, it's really shown me that it's a, actually a gift of mm-hmm. from God mm-hmm. for us. It's not rules that we need to follow to keep the Sabbath, but it's a gift from God because he, um, knows that, that it's important for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know how, what God intends for it to look like in my stage of life right now, but it's been interesting uh, just dissecting it a little bit. Engaging Uh, in the conversation a little bit
1: about it. Yeah. Yeah, I am loving this discussion on Sabbath as well. I just find it so challenging and yet bringing it present to my mind to be more conscious of it. And
0: right, it's a conscious. Yeah, it exactly. is Awareness now. Mm-hmm. I was actually just reading in Mark this morning and just in my regular, you know, Bible reading plan, but it was when Jesus was saying to the Pharisees that Sabbath was made for man yeah. and not man for the Sabbath. And mm. I just got this sense of, you know, Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift to us, like you said, Val, and and we are not made for like the rule keeping and legalism of Sabbath. It's it's instead a gift of rest and worship. So yeah, it's popping up all over in, in what I read because we've been discussing we've been ta- it. I yeah. love that. I love when books talk to books like that. And yeah.
1: Ideas shared, shared. I think it's cool how God does that. So, okay. So um, if you're acknowledging that Sabbath obviously is important, but what happens when
2: it isn't a priority in your life? Like, do you notice a difference? Uh, yeah, I, I would say... I get a lot more anxious and overwhelmed and grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> There's no time to get it off the wheel <laughs> that I suppose we shouldn't be on anyway. But um, yeah, I would say I get overwhelmed and grumpy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That hamster ball, right? It's like yeah. that incessant, so just going and going. And
1: yeah.
0: It's good. So would you consider yourself as someone who needs to ruthlessly eliminate hurry? Like is hurry a problem for you? I would say it is a
2: problem for sure. Um, COVID has forced me to slow down mm-hmm. and the kids, um, being back in school when they were in school has also given me opportunity to slow down. And, um, but I've been thinking about it and I, and I wonder if it's sometimes less about the circumstances and how busy I am, although that plays a huge part. Um, if it's more about mindset and decluttering my mind, mm-hmm. and I feel like for me, I need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my mind for sure. We that comes up in the book at one point. It talks a lot about that. Like it's
1: one thing to get rid of the exterior stuff, mm-hmm. but then you still have to deal with what's going on in your mind. That's right. And it's like that's a whole other ball game, right? Yeah. And just as hard. We've talked. We talked about that, and so yeah, it's yeah definitely not. Yeah, you can slow <laughs> down, but your
2: mind can still be mind going. is still going, yeah. and yeah. you have to still choose to focus your mind in the right place. Yeah, and usually it takes
1: doing it and then realizing, oh, I'm back on some chain of thought, right? I don't know. I'm a rabbit trail person in my yeah, head. I <laughs> it goes all sure. over the place. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. All right. So then I guess the question is, what areas would you say that you cultivate Sabbath in your
2: life? Um, I, like, I, like I was saying before, I used to think I did it okay. I don't do the things I'm not supposed to do on Sabbath. <laughs> but um, I, I think digging into it more has, has helped me to see um, what I don't actually do well. It's not just a day off. And it's about resting mind, body, and soul. So I, I feel like I don't do it well. and But I feel like this has kind of helped to
0: encourage that
2: Um, yeah and get my mind thinking and wanting to continue the journey on learning more about it and how i can cultivate it more in my life
0: well you're in good company because we don't feel like (laughs) we do it well either oh yeah (laughs) this is one of the reasons we chose this topic i do
2: um practice solitude on a regular basis um and i absolutely love it and um but i do see that it's very different than sabbath Sabbath is more of that having that rest time, whereas solitude would be the intentional time alone with God, when you're when you're stripping everything away and just for a longer period of time, and which is such a a beautiful um, experience, really beautiful, and I think something that very few people
1: make an effort to do right yeah like it's just yeah. so counterculture
0: this is intriguing to to me can you tell me a little bit about solitude like are you talking daily or weekly or, or? Uh, monthly okay yeah um we have not been so
2: great at it the last while but um early on in our marriage Andres had been to a leadership um seminar and this was a big part of what he walked away with and um so we take we try to take 4 hours a month for each of us separately, where we just go somewhere quiet away, it, it looks differently for both of us. I actually enjoy um, just going on a walk. I love listening to music. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just being in the stillness, taking my journal and a book to anywhere quiet, where um, I can just pray. And it's never the same. It, it just I think it's just leaving it open to where God leads me in that time, and to be honest, the first hour or even two is totally just unwinding, cleaning your brain. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so it takes a long time, and yeah. that's why I find the see the importance in taking a longer period of, yeah. of solitude
0: time. Um, And would you say you hear from God? Is that, like, do you walk away with with something or how the Lord met you?
2: Yeah. um,
0: Oftentimes, yes.
2: Sometimes, no. Okay. It's not a, yeah. It's It's not a set of rules to follow, right? Yeah. Again, like a quick fix. There are, the majority of the time, because you're able to clear your mind of all the clutter, um, it is, there's something special where God can just... um, be present, and and he leads your That's thoughts. And yeah. Well, it's so interesting because I feel like
1: you know some of the more secular ways of looking at things, they ha- they've hijacked some of the really great treasures hmm. of scripture and of what god has planned for us and i think this is one of them right like we talk about like in, in the secular world you think about mindlessness or right. sorry mindfulness yeah, yeah, <laughs> said that <yeah>. wrong. <laughs> and emptying yourself and like that meditation and all that stuff mm-hmm. and yet it's not emptying your mind like it's a, it's 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 allowing space
0: for god to speak and
1: that's for very, sure. very very yes. different
0: yeah and and we don't often do that so what you're saying really inspires me because mm-hmm. i don't take 4 hours because as you said it takes a while to be still and to hear from yeah. them that's really really it takes inspiring. a choice because i've had
2: times where i just go and i read articles listen to things without actually really taking that time to just be still and be stripped of of everything going on in my life and and then I, you walk away going yeah i, I that was different than the time where i can just i just choose to it's a different exercise, um, right? Yeah, it's not a yeah. cerebral to the same degree as yeah. like studying something. You're yeah, actually Yeah. I mean I, I do uh, sometimes read things sure. and and, yep. and yeah, for sure. But just consciously coming before God with with a, an open heart. That's lovely. Uh, it's like and it's an it's a muscle, I'm thinking, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, so you get yeah. better at it as you go. For sure. Yeah. That's really, really beautiful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm. I think we all need to hear that. Um.
0: So we uh, ask every guest this question and wondering if you can tell us about a time in your life when you have felt broken and then God has turned it into something beautiful.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I just went straight to a story about 15 years ago. I was living and working on a ship as a missionary. Um, Part of my role as the purser on the ship was to work with immigration officers um, when we came into a new country. Because we had so many nationalities on board, that often involved a lot of paperwork. On this specific occasion, we were sailing into Martinique, an island in the Caribbean, for dry dock. Dry dock happens once a year where we take the ship out of the water for maintenance. Half the crew stays on board, while the other half of the crew leaves the ship to do practical work and ministry on land. As we arrived, I met with immigration to get clearance for the crew to enter the country. I was expecting it to be a quick clearance, but I was very wrong. Everything went as planned, except that I had missed getting a visa for one of the crew members. Despite all the hours of visa preparation, I had somehow missed one passport. So this crew member didn't have the required visa to enter the country, and it was all my fault.
1: Hmm.
2: What an awful feeling. It was just horrible. I asked if he could stay on board and not leave the ship during our stay, but this was denied. The authorities planned to deport him, which we really wanted to avoid for two reasons. One, they were going to send him to the country of his passport. However, his family did not live there anymore, and so he had no connections to that country. And two, he was a key crew member for the dry dock work that was about to begin, and we needed all the help we could get. So I spent several several hours contacting multiple officials and embassies in various countries, trying to get up, uh, sorry, trying to come up with a solution. Finally, an option opened up for him to join one of the land teams in a neighboring country, which wasn't what we wanted, but better than being sent to a foreign country by himself. I was left completely embarrassed, broken, humbled, by far, as my kids would say, the worst day of my (sighs) life. I went to my cabin and cried. I was crushed. I felt like I had let everyone down and wondered how in the world I had missed that visa. The whole thing was amplified because the crew member had a girlfriend and now he was separated from her in such short notice and I was responsible for it. A couple days went by of me wrestling with God about why this had to happen and how did I miss that visa. Then one of the women on board asked if I wanted to go for a walk. She was the girlfriend's mentor and said she had something she thought I should know. The woman told me that just the night before we sailed into Martinique, the girlfriend had shared with her the need to take a break from her boyfriend. Mm to have time to think and pray about the relationship. She had been struggling to know how to make that break happen because of the close quarters of the ship, which is like trying to avoid someone who lives in the same house as you. It seemed impossible. The women had prayed about the situation and left the work up to God. So here I was worrying about this huge mistake that I had made, and then I learned that the same situation was an unexpected answer to prayer for someone else. I was shocked, I was in awe. I mean, how do you process that? This worst day of my life was not just a random mistake that I had made. I was struggling asking, why me, God? Why did you have to use me? Couldn't this have been a little less dramatic? Well, he was certainly chipping away at my pride and reminding me to depend on him and not himself but he also showed me in a fresh way that we don't need, we don't see all the pieces. God chose me to be a part of a bigger story that day, a story that had an impact on myself and so many other people. We are small yet so significant in God's greater story. This experience has helped me to say in situations, God is not making sense to me right now, but I choose to serve him. I choose to trust him. I choose to be used by him Mm -hmm. for the greater story even if I don't see the big picture. Thank you for that. That's lovely.
1: Wow. <laughs> I was feeling the stress. <laughs> <as you're telling laughs> I'm like, oh, I could totally. Oh, I would just. Yeah. Like, it's awful when you feel like you've impacted someone else. Right. Yes. It's one thing yes. when, when it's just you and the yeah. mistake just hurts you. But when yeah. it's someone else and like you're dealing with like authorities and.
2: and yeah, everything it was else. so many years ago, but it's still. It's still oh.
0: <laughs> wow, and just how God is in that, and yeah. He was orchestrating the events yeah. for His purposes. That is amazing to me. It is uh,
1: interesting for sure. And how many times we don't know the the answer, right? Like we don't mm. we don't get to see like yes. that. Oh, because in this case, He provided you with the gift of knowing that mm-hmm. there was purpose in it. But sometimes we don't know. Absolutely, we just have to accept it. Yeah oh that's good that's really good thank you so we just have a couple more questions um well one is just sort of more of a fun thing but um we do want to know where you're at in your life right now how
2: is God using you and your giftedness do you think uh I think um I love to worship through music and um love to be serving um the people at WBC right now with uh helping lead others to worship um, through song, um, I also feel like I'm I have I'm gifted in mercy. Um, mm-hmm. I say this carefully because uh, I don't feel very confident in this gift, <laughs> 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 um, but God's really been opening my eyes to things that uh, um, are holding me back from this, and He uh, really has been doing a deep, hard work in my heart in the last couple of months. So. I feel like this is a bigger story that I'm still unpacking, but I'm excited to see where he's going to take me on this journey and, and how he'll use this gifting more to, uh, serve him. Yeah. It's just that it's that stepping
1: out in faith, right? For sure. Not knowing what's going to happen, but whatever
2: our meager offering is he takes and makes it into something so much more. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. Um, I'm also in a, uh, busy stage in parenting and supporting andreas and i feel like that is also a very important role that i'm playing right now and oh yeah yeah so
1: and you've made some conscious decisions on that Mm -hmm. right like yeah choosing to stay home with the kids and
2: and be that support in a way that is healthy for everybody right yeah yeah for right now and we'll see see what happens now that the kids are at school whether i find something just very part-time or not i don't know we'll
0: See where it goes. It's like you have your hands open and you're yeah trying to. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we end our every conversation with our guests by asking them a few rapid fire questions. So we're just gonna ask away, and you can just give you know one or two word answers. So Val, what's your favorite food? Uh all things chicken. Oh, okay. Nice. Not sure about my favorite, but, but you like <laughs> chicken. I like chicken. Good. Uh, favorite drink? Do you, have, do you drink hot drinks? or uh, I enjoy a latte. A latte? Yeah. Okay. Um, f- favorite restful place to be? Uh, by
2: the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anywhere by the water. <laughs> Lots of <laughs> well, people have It's, quiet. Quiet. it's yeah. amazing that we
0: live here. That's why so people yeah. say water. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my place too. By yeah. the water. Uh, Favorite hobby?
2: Oh, I I don't know. Picking dandelions. (laughs) That's (laughs) good. But
0: you mentioned gardening. You're enjoying that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite book? Uh, Get
2: Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. I've read that. Amazing. The title alone is good. Yeah. It's a it's it's a close run with when God doesn't fix it by Laura Story. Oh, I haven't read well. that. I have heard of that. Such yes. a good book. Yeah, like it's yes. an autobiography,
1: like memoir type yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Just enjoying the messiness of life. Good. The joy in that. Wow. We we'll have good. to link those.
0: Yeah, we'll link those to yeah. the show notes. Uh, favorite family activity. Uh, road trips. Okay. Yeah, yep. just random road trips. Good. <laughs> and anything else that you're loving these days
2: i am loving the weather i love being able to be
0: outside i like i like warm weather hot weather I do too. Yeah. The hotter, the better. Yeah. So when we're recording this, it's supposed to be 30 degrees for two days in a row. Yes. And I'm just so <laughs> looking forward to that. And I'm a little anxious about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I've
0: got air conditioning. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> uh, well, pal, it's been so lovely talking to you and getting yes. to know you Thank better. Thank you so Thank much. You.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. I love this. Just uh, sharing the, sharing stories. And yeah, it's been
0: good. Great. Thank you.
1: Today we are going to look at an art piece and in this art piece, we're going to, I'm going to show you how important it is to know what the title is of of a piece of art. So this art piece is by Jean-Francois Millet. I don't know how to say his last name, so I hope I didn't butcher it. Uh, This was done in the 1800s. Shannon, can you tell me what's
0: going on? So there are two people in the painting, a man and I assume his wife, and uh, they look like pioneers. They're out in a field, and they they both have heads bowed um, over this basket of maybe potatoes, okay. and it looks like they're praying. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. They are praying. They're uh,
1: peasants. Um and this is part of their work day so have you ever seen anyone stopping in another day and praying like this no I haven't <laughs> <laughs> you grew up on a farm did you guys do this we sadly didn't and it's not again how many times can we say this it's not a conviction it's not a accusatory thing it's just a bringing our awareness to more ideas and more things so this painting is called The Angelus. Have you seen this painting before? No, I haven't. I have seen it. I feel like I've seen it in people's homes even. Um, but up until actually looking at this painting for today's podcast, I did not know what Angelus means. Do you know? I don't. Do you know? Okay. No. So this brings a whole new light to this painting as soon as you understand what the, what the title means. So Angelus is actually a prayer practice that originated in the 13th century so it's it's all about um it's a specific prayer that would turn your attention to god so the peasants in the 1800s and not just peasants but everyone the the church bells would go off three times a day and everyone would pause in what they were doing whatever it was and they would pray this prayer so so this is what we see we see this sort of a snapshot of of this couple stopping in the middle of their work and i don't know what you but if i'm in the middle of a task do not interrupt me <laughs> exactly <laughs> just focus on getting it done let's go so but they did they put the pitchfork aside and they are pausing for this prayer and i love this i think this is a great way to sort of end off our um, study of this book, the ruthless elimination of hurry. Here we are. Um, it's a it's a call to try to stop and pause. And in this case, they did it three times a day, and they would pray this prayer. And um, it's a little it's it's not that long, but it's really a prayer about the incarnation of when, when the angel appeared to Mary and, and said, "You're going to conceive. You're going to give birth to a son. His name's going to be Jesus." And part of it is she actually responds and and says behold the handmaid of the lord be it done unto me according to your word and and to pray that three times a day wow right just to say god whatever you have for me let let it be like what a mind shift that would be and i'm just so challenged by that to just pause and and you know maybe set an alarm on my phone three times a day or or something just to pause and to do that. And yeah, so that's that's beautiful. That's the, the painting.
0: Today is our last teaching on Sabbath from the Bible and just to review where we've been in our first teaching, we talked about the fact that Sabbath was uh, instituted in the beginning. It's in the creation order, that on six days God created, and then the seventh day he rested. In our second teaching together, we discussed how Sabbath was a command for it, for the nation of Israel. It's in the Ten Commandments. And then in our third teaching, we talked about the fact that Sabbath was a shadow of the substance which is found in christ and so we uh, find rest in christ through faith we enter his rest at the moment of salvation and we no longer have to work and earn favor with god so through the new covenant we're not bound to sabbath as we discussed last time but the principle is still important and that's what we want to talk about this time the invitation to rest is not only for salvation but it is meant to characterize our walk with Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a moment but first I want to read a story from the Gospel of Luke where we see how the religious leaders of Jesus' day reacted to what he did on the Sabbath. So in Luke uh, chapter 6 verses 1 to 5 it says this, on a Sabbath While he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat, and he also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So the issue here is not that the disciples were stealing the grain. I think that's what we think of first, because there was provision in the law for them to pick grain from the edge of the fields. The issue is that they were doing it on a Sabbath. They were picking the heads of grain, and so they were harvesting, and that is work. And so that violated one of these additional laws that the Pharisees had added to God's law. But Jesus confronted them and said that he is Lord of the Sabbath, and he was not offended by the disciples' actions, and so neither should they be. There's a second story in Luke chapter 6 that I want to read for you as well. It says, "On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, 'Come and stand here.' And he rose and stood there." And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them and all, he said to him, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so and his hand was restored. But they, meaning the Pharisees, were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to catch him doing something that is unlawful. And so they were watching him on the Sabbath. And Jesus knew their hearts. And so instead of healing in secret or privately, he called this man with the withered hand to come near, right in front of everybody. And he asked the Pharisees this question, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil? He was pointing out their legalistic approach to the Sabbath. Well, they were ignoring the greater principle of loving others. They had missed the whole point. And we too, if we religiously keep Sabbath observances um, in in a legalistic way, but we fail to love others, we've missed the point. We are free from the legal obligation to the Sabbath, but we do not ignore a day of rest. Mark 2 verse 27 says, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was made for the benefit of mankind. It's a gift to us. And so let's talk about how this rest should characterize our walk with Christ. I think probably one of the most well-known scriptures about rest uh, is in Matthew 11, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to rest in him, to live our lives from a position of rest in him, and not to be so consumed with all that we can do for him. I know that's a trap I often fall into, but to be more focused on what he has done for us. When we live from a position of rest, we are demonstrating our trust in God. A Sabbath rest is a regular reminder that we are not God. We are not the ones keeping the world running. And we have to trust God to work while we rest. Some of us struggle with finding our identity in our work. Our achievements and our accomplishments define who we are. But we are first and foremost children of God We have entered his rest and now we work from rest, not for rest. Our lives are characterized by abiding, not striving. Our days are lived with quiet trust, not anxious toil. So, friends, as we close our biblical discussion of Sabbath, my prayer for you today is that you will recognize that Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath. And he invites you into his glorious rest. So find a quiet place today and rest your weary minds and bodies. Surrender that burden that you've been carrying to him. God will do what we cannot when we put our faith and our trust in him. Thank you, Shannon.
1: I feel like we could just keep talking about Sabbath. There's so much to just... I know I'm not done thinking about it, and I hope that our listeners are not done thinking about it either. Yes, there's so much to think about and to implement. So much, you know. As you were sharing this, it was so so good, and a thought came to me. I remember listening to a podcast at some point, and the the man who was being interviewed, he had written a, a book on Sabbath, and he was he's a pastor. But one of the things he said is that of all his different topics like controversial topics that he's spoken on from the from the pew from the podium the most controversial one where he got the most calls from his congregation was on sabbath really yeah like think about the most controversial topic you can think of (laughs) and sabbath trumped it by far wow because it just is such a radical change of our culture and so we just really pray that this has just sparked a, a desire in you to, to have time with God, because that's really what it is. That's right. Um, essentially. So we're going to close today. Uh, I'm just going to remind you that after, now that we have finished um, talking about Sabbath, we're not really finished, of course, but we are going to move on to the theme of Create. And we have a lineup of ladies that we're excited to um, hear from them. It's going to be really fun just talking about different areas of, of how they are creative. We're going to close in prayer. And I thought for today I would pray the prayer that we was prayed in the Angelus from the, from the painting. So this is what it says. We beseech you, O Lord, pour forth your grace into our hearts, that as we have known the incarnation of Christ, your Son, by the message of an angel, so by his passion and cross we may be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Listening to the Mosaic Podcast, a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel, where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty.